Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Speaking for the Silence podcast on the Hopewell Valley Student Publications Network, where students come together to publish content to share with the world. The opinions expressed in this episode are mine and mine only. Please enjoy the show. everyone. You are listening to the Speaking for the Silence podcast with your host, Jacqueline Sum. In this episode of Speaking for the Silence, we will continue the labor trafficking segment with the second part and go in depth on the most common forms of forced labor occurring across the world. I will focus on three in particular, which are factory labor, agricultural labor, and domestic work. So when I say factory labor, I mean labor trafficking in the context of the manufacturing of goods. The garment industry and food processing plants are especially guilty of this, with many workers being compelled by employers to work 12 hours a day, 7 days a week, in subpar conditions. Men, women, and children are all virtually equally exploited. The sad thing is that it is not questioned. The workers are cornered into a situation where they are little more than expendable human machines to those above them. Many of the exploited do not realize that the hours and conditions they work under are not legal and are a form of trafficking. I want to emphasize that many workers caught in factory labor are also immigrants. They come to their new country seeking a way to sustain themselves and their families and will take the first opportunity that comes to them, no matter how poor it is. The employees know that the demand for jobs is higher than the supply, so any employee that tries to speak out against the poor conditions will simply be fired and replaced with another, more willing worker. In these industries, the traffic take on jobs involving repetitive, systemic labor. For example, in the meat processing industry, a worker could be involved in the preserving, storing, or packing of the meat for later distribution. While this work is not necessarily physically difficult, it becomes mind-numbing when engaging in it for hours upon end without break, which is what the trafficked workers must go through. However, there are many workplaces in the manufacturing industries that are far less safe. In the garment industry, workers often engage with dangerous machinery and harmful chemicals. In especially unsafe conditions, some garment factories are susceptible to fire due to the constant working of the various machinery, such as sewing machines and irons. For example, in November 2012, a fire burned down the Tazreen fashions garment industry in Bangladesh, trapping and killing at least 112 workers. An even more horrific incident occurred in Ali Enterprises garment factory in Pakistan, where again a fire burned down the building where the factory was housed, killing over 250 workers. Many of the workers were supposedly barred from leaving when the fire broke out due to their higher-ups forcing them to stay behind and save the clothes. To me, this is a classic example of trafficking. The employers are willing to trade a person's life for profit. They do not care if their workers die in the fire, only that the clothing is saved. Many of those trafficked into garment industries are also women and children who are more susceptible to physical violence by their employers. There are many more manufacturing industries that are guilty of labor trafficking, but if I were to stay here and list all of them, then we would probably be here for hours. For now, it is more important that I can expose some of you to a bit of the reality of trafficking in this world. I think it is always better to know a bit about something than nothing, and you can only learn more from here. Labor trafficking is also a common occurrence in agricultural industries. Countries in Latin America are especially guilty of this. This is because these countries often grow highly marketable produce such as fruit, sugarcane, and cacao which require extensive labor and care. Like trafficking in manufacturing industries, victims in the agricultural sector are a rather even spread of men, women, and children. Many are actually born into the lifestyle, being raised from as young as 4 or 5 years old to work in the fields along with their family. Agricultural labor is also unique in that it is often confined to one region, which is the region where the crops are grown, and also does not occur throughout the year. 
Therefore, during the colder months when it is not harvest season, workers may face lowered or non-existent income. As a result, they may travel to other regions to continue making money. This irregularity in income makes the workers vulnerable, and agricultural employers exploit this using debt and violence. The fact that the farm fields on which the labor occurs is isolated from more populous economies also works to the employer's benefit, who do not have to follow laws and regulations in treating and paying their employees, as no one is around to enforce them as closely. Now let's take a look at an instant of trafficking in the agricultural industry in America, specifically in North Carolina. Trafficking revolves around immigrant workers here, who supply much of the labor to America's farms. However, their status often makes them susceptible to exploitation or mistreatment by the farms. RTI International, or the Research Triangle Institute, conducted research in North Carolina, and their findings support these claims. In a survey conducted among the workers of the farms in North Carolina, around 25% experienced threats of violence or deportation, or having their movement in and communication to the outer world cut off. Around 39% admitted to facing additional abuse, physical or material, in the sense that they were not justly compensated for their work or were physically hit by their employers. However, what was more shocking was the lack of awareness that local law enforcement officials had regarding the trafficking occurring right under their noses. Many of them reported that North Carolina did not engage in labor trafficking, yet the accounts of the workers and non-law enforcement figures certainly did not match up with this statement. Some of these law enforcement officials believed that the workers could simply walk away from their employing farms if conditions were truly awful not knowing that some of them were physically coerced to stay. Whether they chose to be willfully ignorant or simply didn't know about the working conditions is up to debate, but this situation reflects the general state of confusion many have regarding human trafficking. Many people are not aware of what conditions qualify as trafficking, and it is important that we clear up the uncertainty surrounding this so that more of us will be able to recognize it and maybe even help the victims in the future. final type of the most common forms of labor trafficking that we are focusing on today is domestic labor. Unlike the previous forms of trafficking, domestic labor mostly involves women, with many less men in the industry. However, like the other two, domestic labor trafficking victims consist of a disproportionately large number of immigrants or minorities. In fact, the National Domestic Workers Alliance has reported that 65% of domestic workers in the U.S. are immigrants or people of color. This does not mean that all of them are trafficking victims, but there is a higher chance that a trafficking victim in the domestic labor industry is of these minorities. Trafficked workers perform labor in their employers' households, often cooking, cleaning, gardening, or caring for dependents. Some even live in their employers' homes, which only gives the trafficker greater control over the trafficked. The trafficked workers often work 12 plus hours a day, six or seven days a week. If they attempt to complain or escape, traffickers will threaten deportation or simply take the immigration documents of their victims to keep them subservient. They also tell workers that if they go to law enforcement or social services for the conditions that they work in, then they will be immediately arrested or deported, even though this is not true. Employers can exploit their workers' lack of knowledge about U.S. laws and regulations to keep them under their control. The workers also often only came to America on account of their job, and if they lose that source of income, then they will be left stranded in a foreign country or may be sent back home, which could be an even worse fate when penniless. One story of domestic labor trafficking in 2016 reveals the horrors of this form of bondage. A 58-year-old Chinese nanny had come to America to serve a wealthy family that had supposedly treated her well while she was in China. However, upon arrival in America, her employer, Li Li Huan, took a turn for the worse. 
the nanny was forced to work up to 18 hours a day performing various household chores, and her employer doctor paid to $1.80 an hour and later on even refused to pay this amount. Juan also physically beat and starved the nanny, often in front of the children she cared for as well. The nanny supposedly lost 32 pounds in four months. And when she finally escaped, she stood at only 88 pounds. When the nanny attempted to protest to leave, Juan simply took her passport to prevent her escape, mirroring the situations of so many other domestic labor trafficking victims. The nanny was eventually able to escape after a particularly brutal string of abuse that left her physically incapacitated, coming across law enforcement, which rescued her. Her time in her trafficker's home had left her with broken ribs and a broken sternum. This nanny was lucky enough to escape and come across police who were able to help, allowing her to share her story. There are no doubt thousands of other victims across this planet who suffer the same fate but are invisible because they cannot escape. While sharing this one story will not make all of the others come to light, it is one step closer to raising awareness for the general public on the potential horrors of domestic trafficking and human trafficking overall. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Speaking for the Silence. I hope to see you next time!